But I figured there's a little bit, bit, bit of people that was a little too sensitive, so we're going to call it Teamwork 101. Amen? Uh, uh, so either way, either way, we're going to learn some good stuff. Man, it's been a great day. The Lord has blessed in the first service and the second service, and, and I truly believe He intends to do it in this service too. Amen? Aren't you glad you get to go to a place where God shows up on a regular basis? Amen. Well, let's look in Luke chapter number 14. Uh, skip down to verse number 23. Verse number 23. The Bible says this in verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, you see, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people. There were was, there was some Jews there who really believed that they were privileged. They believed that they were already in, and, and, and they were in good shape, and they had a false sense of security. So Jesus begins to tell them the story of a man who makes a great supper. He makes this great supper, and he invites certain people to come to this supper, and they all made excuses why they couldn't come. One of them, one of them, he said, I've done bought a, 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 a plot of land and I've got to go check it out so I'm not going to be able to come. Another one says, I bought a team of oxen, I've got to go try them out and I, I just can't come, I've got to go do that. And another one, the most honest dude in the whole bunch, he just was flat out honest. He said, I got married and I can't come. Don't you love honesty, amen? Well, the, 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 the master who made the great supper... He got angry, and he said, well, i tell you what you do. Now, this is implying, this is a, implying that, that God the Father has offered salvation. The Jews have made excuses, and he's turned from the Jews, and he's going to the Gentiles, the outcast, if you will. That's what this story's implying. And he says, i tell you what you do. He says, I want you to go out into the lanes and the streets of the city. I want you to go get the halt. I want you to go get the blind. I want you to go get the maimed. In other words, I want you to go get the outcast, everybody else that nobody else would want, and I want you to bring them in. And, 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 and you ought to shout right there because I'm glad it doesn't matter your education. He said, come on in. It doesn't matter your background. He says, come on in. It doesn't matter your heritage. He said, come on in. It doesn't matter your pedigree. He says, come on in. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care how many diplomas you have. Come on in. Say amen. Well, the servant goes out and he does that and he comes back and the servant said, we've done what you've commanded and yet there is room. And this is what he said now. He said, well, I tell you what, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. It be filled. What, what is he saying? When it comes to salvation, he says there's no stipulations. Come on. When it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes with getting in the house, when it comes to getting saved, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. You don't have to do nothing to be saved. You don't have to fix nothing to be saved. You don't have to change nothing to be saved. He said, come like you are, and I'll take care of the rest. You say, well, preacher, I've got to get better before I get saved. That's like saying I'm going to get better before I go to the doctor. I'm going to wait till this car starts running right before I take it to the mechanic. Are you all with me? He's saying, come unto me. Come unto me. But, but this is what happens. In the, midst of his, in the midst of his sermon, in the midst of his message, in the next verse it says, there were multitudes that were following him. I mean multitudes, a great crowd. And then he says this, okay. He turns and looks to him. He says, okay, if you're going to follow me. If you're going to believe in me, if you're going to follow me, then there's some stipulations. 
There's no stipulation for believing, but there is for following. Are y'all with me? Now, that's what we're fixing to read. Watch this. He says, if you're going to follow me, verse 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and it is not able to finish, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him with, that cometh against him with 20,000, or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, thank you for your blessings, your kindness, your mercy. Please anoint me today. Please help me. Give me the strength and the stamina. Give me the word to preach, Lord, so that every ear can understand. Every person in this room can conceive and understand the truth that's being taught. God will praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, now, now let's, let's, let's get a grip on this here. Let's, let's, really look, let's really look at what, what's happening here. First, if you're taking notes, you're writing notes down, I want you to see the invitation. The invitation. He is saying, go out and invite people to come to my house. And the application, obviously, is inviting them for salvation. And, and, and I'm glad to know, and, 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 and you've got to get this too, if you're saved, you're a child of God, you're a believer in this place, do you realize you have a responsibility to compel others to come to Him? As the servant here, we are to go out into this community and tell others that Jesus saves. We are to go out in this community and tell them that there is a lighthouse for those who are in darkness. We need to go out into this community and tell them this is a hospital for those who are sick. We need to go out and tell them what Jesus has done for us. He tells us to go in the lanes and the streets. He tells us to go in the highways and hedges. He also tells us to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and invite them to Jesus. I want to see people saved. How about y'all? It is God's will for this house to be filled. It is God's will for people to come to know Him as their Savior. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad God is in the saving business. I'm glad He saves people who don't know Him. I'm glad He saves crooked people. I'm glad He saves wicked people. I'm glad He saves trashy people. And I'm glad He saves good people that don't know they're trashy. Say amen. Don't look down at nobody else. We're all sinners. We're all in the same condition. The Bible says that the cross, the ground at the cross is level. There's no good people and bad people. We're all sinners in the face of the Lord. And he's inviting them to come. And he says, I want you to come. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care where you are. I don't care how long you've been there. Come unto me, all ye that labor and, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, if you're thirsty, come to me. I'm the living water. If you're hungry, come to me. I'm the bread of life. If you're dead, come to me because I'm the resurrection and the life. Somebody say amen. He says, come. And I want everybody in this room, I want everybody in this room to know that there is a Savior who died for your sins. And you don't have to stay in the condition you're in. You don't have to stay in the state that you're in. You can come to Him and know forgiveness and know redemption and know, listen, the life that comes only through Jesus Christ. You don't have to leave here saved. You don't have to leave here worried. You don't have to leave here doubting. Jesus is an awesome Savior. Now watch, stay with me. Every sinner needs a Savior. Now, now stay with me because I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to shift gears and, and I don't want you to fall out the back of the truck, all right? All right, y'all with me? Here's, here's the problem with the church today. There's way too many people that just wants Jesus as their Savior. What do you mean? They just want Jesus as their Savior but they don't want him as their Lord. I want to go to heaven, but don't tell me how to live. I, I, I don't want to go to hell. I want my ticket out of hell, and I want to make sure I go to heaven. I want forgiveness for my sin. I need a Savior. But you see, he's not just a Savior. He's our Lord. And as the Savior, he's our sacrifice. As the Lord, He's our sovereign. As the Savior, He paid the price. Our sins are forgiven. Our, our, our mistakes and failures are washed away. Thank God. But as our Lord, we have a responsibility to follow Him. You see, in the first verse we read, He said, go out and get everybody. Tell them to come in. Tell them to come in. Tell them to come in. They don't have to pay. They don't have to work. They don't have to do anything. Come just like you are. Believe on me. I want you to be saved. Believe on me. Now that we've got the crowd, now that we believe in Jesus, what's next? He says, okay. Okay. Now that you believe on me, this is what it's going to take to follow me. You see, there's, there's a lot of people that want to be Christians, but not disciples. It's going to get heavy here in just a minute. You might as well put your seatbelt on. You're already here. So let's, 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 amen? We want to be, and, and by the way, we're really shafting that word Christian too. Because the word Christian means Christ-like. We, we want to be religious. We want to be church people. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. But he said there's more. You see, even the demons believe and tremble. Oh, I'm a believer. But you're living like an unbeliever. I'm a believer, but what are you doing for him? Do you see the point? Now Jesus turns around and he faces the crowd. He says, okay, guys, you're here. And see, Jesus always does stuff to thin the herd. Because there's always people following him for what they can get out of him. There were several people that wanted just to see miracles. There were several people in the crowd that probably just wanted a free lunch. 
They didn't care that he was God in the flesh. They didn't care that he was Emmanuel. They didn't care that he was their Messiah. He was their Redeemer. They didn't care about all that. All they cared about is he can take one last lunch and he can feed a buffet. We may never have to work again. Am I preaching? There are people in churches today that all they care about is what they can get out of God. But Jesus says, that's not going to fly. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, there's some expectations I have for you. And let me tell you something. They're, they're pretty tight. Great expectations. Now, here's, here's my desire. Here's my desire. How many of y'all know that usually when we come in here, I'm pretty straight with you? Wouldn't you rather me be straight with you than powder-coated? Sugar-coated, powder-coated, powder-sugar-coated, amen, whatever. I, I, if I go to the doctor, I want, him, I want him to tell me straight up, Amen. Even if it's going to be painful, even if I'm not going to like it, just tell me straight up. Here's, I'm going to just tell you straight up. I didn't come here today to gather a crowd. God did not call me to gather a crowd, although I like a crowd. And I like that we're building a building, and I like that people are coming. I love all of that stuff. But God did not call me to gather a crowd. If that was the case, I'd rent a stadium, and I'd get a rock concert, and here we go. We got a crowd. God did not call me to gather a crowd. God called me to develop disciples. God called me to develop an army. God called me to reach the lost, train them and teach them and develop them, put them on the firing lines and get into battle for righteousness. God is not looking for church members. He's looking for disciples. God is not looking for religious people. God is not looking for people that all they do is carry their Bible around and talk spiritual stuff, but they don't ever do nothing for Him. God is looking for disciples. He said, if you're going to follow me, this is what it's going to take. Now, I'm just, I'm just telling you what He said. He said, this is the first expectation. This is what He said. Unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sisters, brethren, even his own life, he cannot be mine. Now, watch what the first stipulation is. If we're going to be, if we're going to move, and this is what a lot of y'all need to do today, you need to move from relationship to discipleship. And I have a real problem, I have a real issue with believing that you, you could even have a relationship and not want to move to discipleship. If you don't have a desire to move into the realm of discipleship, you may need to check your relationship. I heard a phrase this week. I kind of liked it. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Amen? Because if you don't have a desire to follow him, y'all with me? What's it going to take to follow him? The word hate in this verse, the word hate in this verse literally means to love less. To love less. And Jesus is saying, unless you love less, everything in your life, your, your father... Your mother, your parents, your siblings, your goals, your desires, your dreams, your jobs, even your children. Preacher, why would you say something like that? Because there's people all over America that worships their children. Their children are their God, even to the detriment of the relationship of the husband and wife. Say, so, well, you got something. I think, I think children should be number one. I don't. I think your spouse needs to be number one. And your children need to be number two. And if you treat your spouse like they are number one, number two won't be a problem. 
But God has to be first. You have to put him first. In the, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament when, when he was laying out what he expected out of his children, do you know what one of the first things was? You shall have no other gods before me. Nothing. Nothing can be before me. You know what it says in the New Testament? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom. Oh, but preacher, what if I put God before my boss? What if I, what if I go broke? Listen, don't you understand God's bigger than your boss? Don't you understand you serve a God in heaven who he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He owns the hills and the taters under the hills. And listen, he will take care of you. Do you realize if you'll put God before your spouse that God would make sure your spouse is okay? That if you put him first in your entire life, everything will work out? I remember, I remember, and I love my father. My father and mother, they were sitting right here in the, in the last service. There's been times we didn't agree. There's been times when it comes to ministry and spiritual things, we were not on the same page. I felt like God was telling me to do something, and God, he was wanting me to do something else. But I had to put God before my father. Do you understand that? Do you understand if I hadn't to put God before my father, we wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in South Florida somewhere. But see, God was saying, go west, young man. And my father was saying, come south, you heathen. Amen? My father was wanting me to be his assistant and come down there and work with him. But that was not God's desire. That was not God's plan. And if I put my father before God, then I would have made a drastic mistake. You say, well, did God fix the relationship between your dad? Yeah, he's on the front row in the last service. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying if you'll put God first, he'll take care of everything else. And if he's not first in your life, you can't be a disciple. You can't. If he is not number one. You say, why are you saying all that? Because there's so many things in this world that is competing for the number one spot. And unless you're willing to put God first in your life, you cannot follow Jesus. Why? Because of the next thing. The very next verse says this. There not only has to be a placement of priority, he has to be first. The very next verse says this. Unless a man will deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he cannot be my, my disciple. Now let me explain that. Because a lot of people have got this confused about what a cross is. I've heard people, I've heard preachers preaching on the cross with suffering and, and, and it's something we carry for Jesus and to stay strong. And that's not what that means. I've heard people say that their spouse is the, the cross they have to bear. Their goofy youngin is the cross they have to bear. That's just the cross. I'm just bearing my cross. That's not what that means. I think if we're going to get, if we're going to get a good understanding about what Jesus is saying when he says every man has a cross and he must bear his cross and follow me, I think we need to talk about Jesus' cross. Let's look, let's look, let's take a moment and look at what Jesus and how Jesus talks about his own cross, the cross of Calvary. Do you have a minute? Say amen. Watch this. Watch what Jesus says. He says in John chapter number 12, John chapter number 12, verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. And the cause there is the cross. What he's talking about is dying on the cross. He said, this is why I came. This is why I came to this hour, for the cross. Watch what he says in John 18, 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, 
art thou a king then? He's being interrogated right before his crucifixion. And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end, talking about the cross. Remember, he's talking about the cross. To this end, to this cross, was I, I born. And for this cause, talking about the cross, and for this cause came I into the world. You know what Jesus is literally saying here? I was born to die on this cross. I was born for Calvary. You see, Jesus healed blind people, but that's not why he was born. Jesus healed sick people, but that's not why he was born. Jesus healed lame people, but that's not why he was born. Jesus walked on the water, but that's not why he was born. Jesus took one little lad's lunch and broke it up and fed thousands of people, but that's not why he was born. Now listen, Jesus calmed the storm, but that's not why he was born. He raised the dead, but that's not why he was born. He said, the purpose for me coming, the reason that I was born, was to die on the cross of Calvary and give my blood a ransom for all. Somebody say amen. That's my cause. You know what he's saying by these verses? He is teaching us this, that the cross of Calvary was his destiny. The cross of Calvary was his purpose. The, listen, the cross of Calvary was his calling. Now, what do we take from that? What do we learn from that truth and understanding that? What Jesus is saying specifically in this verse is you and I have a calling. You and I have a purpose. You and I have a reason to be on this planet. God has got a purpose for you. Does that make sense? God has got a calling. And if you are not willing to accomplish that purpose, you cannot be a disciple. If you're not willing to surrender to what God has called you to do, you cannot be a disciple. You see, you were born for something. You were born for something. What is it? God says, that's your cross. That's what I want you to take up and follow me to do what you're called to do. Hey, we've got Brother Dustin around here. Brother Dustin Phillips. If you're not, you're not met him yet, you need to meet him. Uh, uh, he's, he's known as the worm because he's a little on the wormy side. And uh, if he'd spend about a month in my house, we'd fatten him right up, say amen. He's our administrator. And he is, <laughs> I can't even describe how good he is at his job. He was born with a calculator in his diaper. Say amen. He is so organized. He is so administratively gifted and thinking. I mean, it's ridiculous. And all of that. I mean, he was put on this planet to do what he does. He was born for that. I was not. I was not born for that. I was not born for a calculator. I was not born for a stat sheet. I was not born for none of that. I was born to encourage. I was born to exhort. I was born to take the bread of life and break it forth and make it understandable to anybody that can hear it. Somebody say amen. Now, I wasn't born to do what he does. He wasn't born to do what I do. But when I do my thing and he does his thing, this thing happens. Does this make sense? You were born for something, and you're not going to enjoy your life you're not going to be fulfilled till you do what you were born to do. I, I hate using these illustrations because I use them all the time, but I can't help it. It's just what I, I, I've got a coon dog named Tojo. And this particular week, I was at a, I was at a hunt, and it was kind of like a competition hunt, and, 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 and I had Tojo out the box, and he was pulling on that leash, and son, he was scratching gravel. He was ready to go. He was pulling on that leash, and he was whining. I said, heel, Tojo, heel, Tojo. And he'd jump up on my chest and... He was ready to go. 
And some old goober didn't have his stuff ready, and he was goofing around with his collars, and boy, old Tojo was just scratching, wanting to go. You know why? He was born and bred to run a coon. He was not born to stay in the box. He was not born to stay in the pen. He was not even born to stay on the end of that leash. He was born to run across that creek, go down that holler, up the side of that hill, jump on the side of that tree, and say, Woo! Come get him, Daddy. I got him. Ho, 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 ho. Somebody say amen. If you've never been coon hunting, it's time to go. Amen. They were born to do that. Listen, those, those racehorses, those racehorses that run around that track, I mean, they got muscles bulging and, and they are breathing, they're running, they're doing what they're born to do. And you pin them up and see what happens. You keep them in that cage. You keep them in that box. When my truck, when my truck leaves the yard, when my truck leaves the yard and, and, and it's nighttime, listen, Oh, Tojo, he'll get mad. He didn't want to stay there. You know why? That's not what he was bred to do. That's not what he was born to do. You know what? We got a lot of Christians that are sitting in pews, and they're frustrated. They're frustrated. They're unfulfilled. You know why? You ain't figured out what you was born to do. And let me tell you something. Everything else in life will not make you happy until you do what you were born to do. Now, let me, let me say this. Now, I don't think there's any question I love coon hunting. I love it. I'm telling you. I, love, I, I, I can be... I, now, now y'all know, nobody calls me unless there's a problem. They don't ever call. Preach, I just want to tell you I'm, I, everything's wonderful. It's just wonderful. That don't ever happen. I, I deal with problems all the time. And son, when I can go get my truck and load my dogs up, and I go, and I cut them loose, I sit on that tailgate, the first box, oh, it's like all the problems of the world goes away. I love it with more than, but you know what? I don't love it near as much as what I'm doing right now. I love fishing. I love fishing, but it don't, it don't hold a light to what I'm doing right now. Preacher, what's the point? Can y'all tell I dig what I do? What, what would happen? What would happen if you found your spot? What would happen if you finally figured out what it was that you were born for? And you found a spot to use that gift. Some people can teach. I, I, I've sat under teachers. I said, dear God, if they don't shut up, I'm going to die. I'm going to just shoot myself right here in this place. They didn't have the gift of teaching. And I've sat, I've sat under teachers who were teaching the most boring topic there ever was. Just mesmerized. You know why? Because that's what they were born to do. I've been around people, I've been around people that could pray. I'm talking about just, just could pray. And you would think you were sitting right in the throne room. You know why? That's what they were born to do. What were you born to do? Because if you don't, I can't stress this enough. I know what you're thinking. Oh, you're just trying to get help. No, I'm trying to get you happy. I'm trying to get you fulfilled. Where am I going to find that? In that cross he's got for you? We'll say, why is he, why is he calling it a cross then? Because sometimes this does get heavy. 
Sometimes this is a difficult thing to do and to carry. But it's my calling. There were times when the apostle Peter tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross. You know what Jesus said? Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan doesn't want you to fulfill your purpose. He doesn't want you to find your gifting or your calling. But God said, if you do, if you do, it'll be the happiest day of your life. I'll finish it up with this because we're fixing to get drowned. It's amen. Ain't no sense in me quitting early because you're just going to get wet anyway. Amen. Watch, watch what he says. What Jesus sums it all up. He sums it all up and explains. Listen, I, 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 I know what it's going to take. I know it's a great expectation. I'm, I know. I know I'm asking a lot by telling you to put me first. I know I'm asking you a lot to serve me and to put me first and make me a priority. I know I'm asking a lot. I know I'm asking a lot. When you, when you tell somebody they got to love him more than your mama, come on, say amen. I'm asking a lot, but this is what he says. But let me tell you why the expectation is so high. He gives a, a story about somebody building a house and somebody going to battle. And if you've ever built a house, you'll, you'll go through the cost. You'll go through the cost. You'll sit down with a contractor and you'll say, okay, I want this in the house and I want that in the house and I want that in the house and this in the house, blah, 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 and go all the way down. And then you'll get to that spot and he'll say, okay, this is what it's going to cost. Because you want all this in here, this is what it's going to cost. Now, I know there's some people that, that don't bother. They just say build the house and they'll worry about the cost later. But there ain't nobody in this tent like that. Say amen. I know where we're all at. Amen. I want to know what it's going to cost me. And you know what Jesus is saying? He says, guys, I've already counted the cost. I know what it's going to take to get the gospel to every creature. I know what it's going to take to build my church. Because you remember, Jesus is building it. He said, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I know what it's going to take to get the job done. And it's not going to work with, with, with uncommitted Christians. It's not going to work with people that are not sold out. It's not going to work with people who are not committed to the cause. He said, I've counted the cost. That's why I'm saying you've got to put me first. I have to be a priority in your life. I have to be number one. And then he finishes it up with this. He says, guys, salt's good. Salt's good. How many of y'all know salt is good? How many of y'all like salt? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. Isn't that great? How many of y'all put salt in your grits? God bless you. How many of y'all put sugar in your grits? Yankees. You ain't from the South. Put salt in there, amen? And butter and gravy all around, amen? I'm sorry, I, I got sidetracked. Salt. Salt adds flavor. Salt is a preservative. Salt, salt is also a cleansing agent. What, what, what am I saying? Salt influences whatever it touches. They'll put salt. How many of y'all had a salted ham? Glory to God, amen. Why do they put that salt on that? To preserve it, to season it. And salt influences whatever it comes in contact with. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? And what God is saying, he says, we are the salt of the earth. We're to influence those that we come in contact with. We are to influence those that are around us. We are a preserving agent. We are a cleansing agent. And by the way, this is just a little commercial. 
don't be afraid to be irritating. Do you know unsaved people are irritated by true Christians? They don't like to hear the truth. But guess what? You get salt in your eye, it's irritating. You get salt in a cut, it's irritating. But do you know it brings healing? Anyway, that's just commercial. Salt. Now watch what he says here. This is so, this is just, why, let, me, let me read it. Let me read it. Over here, over here in, 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 in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, watch what he says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, ye, that's talking about us, the church, the body of Christ, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, in other words, it doesn't flavor anymore. It's salt, but it's not salty. Does that make sense? If a salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salt? In other words, how is this earth, how is this community going to be influenced if we're not salty? It is thenceforth, say it with me. It is thenceforth. How many of y'all getting? How many of y'all getting? Raise your hand. How many of y'all know I love you with all my heart? It's my favorite crowd all week long. How many of y'all know I'm going to tell you the truth no matter what? You know what Jesus is saying? If you fail to influence those you come in contact with, if you are not fulfilling God's calling in your life, if you have not surrendered and moved from relationship to discipleship, if you are not following Jesus, if you are not fulfilling the purpose and the calling He's got in your life, you are good for Let me illustrate it. Brother Dustin, come up here a minute. I didn't even know you was in here. I would have talked better about you. Come up here. Somebody might know, know who you are. See what I mean by the wormy stuff? <laughs> Listen, this guy makes an awesome difference around here. And, and they all do. I mean, I'm not... I, we've got... Our, our staff's incredible. But... What if he wasn't here? Or what if he decided, I'm not going to use what God gave me for the betterment of temple? You know what he'd be good for? And, and, and we're not trying to be, you know, mean-spirited or anything like that. But if he doesn't do what God gifted him to do, in God's economy and, and for his purpose of using him, to God, he would be good for nothing you know what they're, they're, let's go back to the coon dogs there's some coon dogs that are got the bloodline and got the pedigree I mean they're, they're bred up higher than a woodpecker's nest I'm talking about got all kind of champions in their pedigree all kind and everything's perfect got a loud mouth I mean just got everything but they won't hunt and I've seen that I've seen that got everything but they won't hunt. Guess what they're good for? What's my point? Don't be a good-for-nothing Christian. God has done everything for us. Everything. How could we say no to Him? How could we, with everything, you, you enjoy what you do? I love it. Love it. Uh, even as aggravating as I, I am, you still love it. Even when I... Even when I throw stuff on you Saturday night, late, late, before church on Sunday. You know why? Because you were born for this. You were born for this. What are you born for? 
I don't know what that is. We can help you. We can help you. The next two weeks, that's all we're going to talk about. We're going to help you find where God's placed you. How many of y'all want to be in that spot? Say amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for the ability to come to a place and, and hear truth. Lord, we can come and hear what you've got for us and, and, and know that we're, we're, we're hearing God's word. God, I pray that you will speak to every, every heart, every soul. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But before we sing our verse, I need everybody's attention. If you're going to be baptized, if you come this morning, you're going to be baptized. If you'll dismiss yourself right now and make your way down to the other building. And if your family, if your family of those who are being baptized, if you will follow them down there, uh, we've put the baptistry in the lower building so that when they get baptized, they can, they can change in the warm. We're just afraid they're going to get sick, so we're just going to get wet going to them. Amen. Uh, so if you're going to be baptized, if you're going to be baptized, if you'll be dismissed, go to the lower building. And if your family, if you came to watch them be baptized, you be dismissed and go down there. And after we take up our offering, we'll do the baptism today. All right, everybody else, stand to your feet. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. A verse of invitation. If you need to be saved, we've got altar workers here. We've got people that would be glad to pray with you, glad to take their Bible and pray with you and show you how to be saved. Maybe you just need encouragement. Maybe you just need prayer where you come. Maybe you need to pray and just say, it's just me and God. I, I want to have a private time with me and God. If you'll come to this side, nobody will bother you. Nobody will, nobody will interfere. You come to this side as we sing. Help us sing. If you know the song, sing it with him. Sing it with him. Yes, amen. And at times you felt cheated to have to bear this load while others who would barely even try. Yeah, come on. They would spread their wings like God speaking to your heart, you come. You come. the sky. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter how lot. Doesn't matter how big you fail. Doesn't.